I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Rad. And I'm Paul. And we'll go- oh, hang on a sec, Rad. We have to stop real quick. I've got a little treat for you. A little treat? Like a, like a cake? You're in Melbourne. How? Well, uh, I can send cake telepathically. No, actually, <laughs> what I have instead is... I've been replaying the Stanley Parable uh, a fair bit lately. Great game. The Stanley Parable is a game about a man, you know, stuck in a loop, reliving the same day over and over, kind of going slowly mad. And I have to ask, what would you say is the most iconic aspect of the Stanley Parable? Um, The baby that crawls into the fire. Next to the screaming fire baby. Uh, the narrator that's like, Stanley went through the left door. The- and then other stuff that happens. <laughs> Is this a good impression? It's not, am, am I- it's not the worst impression I've heard, but here's the thing, Brad. We don't actually <laughs> need anyone to do an impression because I felt like we should do something kind of special for Game for Anything. And with that in mind, I thought it appropriate to reach out to some friends and get them to help us change our intro into something a little bit more on theme. This is a story of a podcast named Game for Anything. Paul, you're fucking kidding me. You're fucking kidding me. Is that the guy or is that just someone who's really good at an impression? That's Kevin Brighting. That's the voice of the guy from the Stanley Parable. Oh my God. Does this mean that we're canon? We're part of the Stanley Parable universe? Oh my God. Oh my God. I hadn't even thought of that, but that is the most exhilarating thought I've, <laughs> I've ever had put in my head. So thank you for that. I Look, I guess so. Maybe. I'm going to now tell you the topics for today's episode, all of which <laughs> are canon to the Stanley Parable. On today's episode, we talk Eminem's Fortnite concert and how every day we fall a little farther from the light. Also, how far would you go for aesthetics? Far enough to get sued for eight figures in Canada? <laughs> well, case if I would. And we discuss the absolute beast of a Doctor Who special, the Star Beast. Rad, it's really hard to do anything with any structure at all after that introduction, but I'm, I'm really going to try. How do you feel about the music of one Eminem? Um, it makes my palms sweaty, knees weak, arms heavy, there's vomit on my sweater already, mom's spaghetti, I'm nervous, but on the surface I look calm and ready to drop bombs. Here's the thing, you know that I can put things in behind you, and so you know full well that I've put a musical bed under you, so I'm now thinking maybe just do the whole song. <laughs> but I feel, I feel like you shouldn't put Lose Yourself under me, I think you should put like... The Muppet Show's moving right along. But I keep on forgetting what I wrote down The whole crowd oh so loud She opens her mouth but the words won't come out She's joking now, everybody's joking now The clock's run out, time's up, overpowered Snap back to reality How, what, please stop me <laughs> <laughs> Um. So I, I would say that I like Eminem's music I'm not necessarily like a massive fan I think he can be a little bit problematic But he was a big part of the early 2000s nostalgia he's accomplished a lot for himself that young man well done why well rad i guess when i'm looking at the accomplishments of eminem and trying to figure out where to send him next career-wise a concert in Fortnite is probably not where i would have gone but he's headlining a massive event in Fortnite called the big bang and it's kicking off december the 2nd 2 p.m eastern time 
Basically, the idea is that it's a huge event to end the this season of Fortnite. And artists have done this before. So I think the second biggest attendance for a single event in Fortnite was 12 million people for that Travis Scott concert. And that went absolutely nuts. So I think this could be a big deal. There is so much to this that I barely know where to start. I guess what I'll start with is, do we know if he's going to be like somewhere actually performing live in a mocap suit? and then they're going to put him in. Okay. I wonder this as well. Now, Travis Scott's was pre-recorded. The whole thing was sort of like a massive interactive high concept music video, but a guy called DJ Marshmallow did a set in a mocap suit live. There's no word yet as to whether he's going to be doing it like that. I th- something tells me he's probably not going to be chucking on a mocap suit and doing a set in real time, but you never know. I mean, it would be extremely novel. The question is, how many people are going to be watching the concert as Eminem? Because they're releasing three skins modeled off him. So the first is called Rap Boy, and that's your classic blonde hair, early era Eminem. It's the Slim Shady. Exactly. Actually, no, there's a skin called Slim Shady, which is him looking like some oh. sort of gangster. He's got the beard. And then there's Marshall Nevermore, which is like a superhero version of Eminem. At this point, it's like... <sighs> Fortnite's gotten so thematically fractured that I don't even know how to feel about this anymore. Do you think that there is that much of a crossover between Fortnite fans and Eminem fans? Because Eminem was like a while ago. It's not like Neil Young's appearing in Fortnite. I mean, that would bring in the retro crowd. But (laughs) I was actually sitting here going, who would be your dream act in Fortnite? And I'm not just talking performing in Fortnite. I mean, the amount of money they're going to put towards this ride, because I watched the Travis Scott concert. I was there for that one. And he was about 300 feet tall (laughs) and the world ended and you flew through space and everything went totally fractal and kaleidoscopic. And it was a very big deal. But who would you like to see musically given the Eminem treatment? Well, my first instinct is to say Paramore because they are my favorite live performers, hands down out of... Any act I've ever seen, whether that be in person, myself, live, or like videos. Mm. This is also my time to say they came to Australia, just finished up their Australian tour. I was supposed to see them in Sydney on Saturday night. I had bought concerts literally the minute that they went on pre-sale. And then the weather was really shit. And I hate being rained on more than almost anything in the world. So I ended up not going and I'm pretty gutted about that. So that's a bit of a sore topic. (laughs) (laughs) Would you have, if okay, if the concert had said there was an option to attend this thing digitally in Fortnite, would you have even bothered? I don't know if I see that as something enjoyable to do, no. (laughs) I mean, maybe maybe just to see what it's like. But if if we're talking, okay, concert in Fortnite, maybe you want to pick something that lends itself to the silliness of that concept, the cartooniness, maybe instead of like great human live performers like Paramore, Mm. you go for something like Crazy Frog. Okay, yeah, I understand. You can't have a Leonard Cohen concert in Fortnite, but you can do something which is very aesthetically bright. What I'm, I guess what I'm saying, right, is it's not like, it's not like you were given the option of the two. It's not like you said they they gave you the Paramore Fortnite experience as a consolation prize and you were like, this is the crappier option. No one's watching Eminem perform at the same time in a better venue. (laughs) Fortnite is the only venue he's performing in, right? Yeah, and it is a really strange collaboration. Mm. You know, the fact that they did the skins as well and now they're getting him to do a concert. I have to say, it sounds like Eminem's managers are some of the hardest working in the biz (laughs) because... I personally, I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah, it doesn't make a great deal of sense to me. They've already started replacing the songs on one of the radio stations in the game, which you can listen to in the vehicles with his tracks. But because Fortnite 
has such a young demographic. They're censoring. I mean, they're censoring words <gasps> I didn't think they should be. Like they're censoring the word death. It's really getting a little strange. It's not a. It's not an organic fit. But who do you think is the most organic fit? I gave my answer. I would like to see a three hundred foot tall Britney dancing with those knives like she was on her Insta channel a couple of weeks back. You know, and they could maybe get Michelle Williams to narrate the event like she was doing with the uh, audiobook. <laughs> Someone. It should be treated, Rad, like a residency in Las Vegas where they get an artist who is has really great crowd appeal, but is maybe slightly past that zeitgeisty moment and then get him in there for six months. Every Saturday night, you log into Fortnite and either it's Britney or maybe if you're feeling vindictive, I was thinking it might be funny to get- Paris Hilton. Paris Hilton DJing in Fortnite is a fantastic idea. I'd go it. And also I could totally go a Paris Hilton skin with the, even though it was a Photoshop, with the don't be poor t-shirt on. Oh, I knew that's what you wanted. I knew that's where you were going. That's a perfect fit. But you could also buy a bundle with her and Nicole Richie from back in their reality TV days. That'd be amazing. Yeah, little dog in the handbag. The whole nine yards. The problem with me, Rad, is that we can make all the fun we like. We know for a fact I have spent like the value of my house on V-Bucks and skins in Fortnite. I am <laughs> genuinely hooked. I'm hooked to the point where it you need to cut out my credit cards. I have bought so many skins on this game. I am, I'm a sucker for hats. I love horse armor. Just let me play dress ups. That's all I care about. You're a sucker for customization and aesthetics. That's okay. It's okay to be you, Paul. But are you also a like phone case aesthetics person? You know, a lot of people like to use it to show off their personalities, etc. Is that you? Uh, Rad, I think we both know fully well that I've dropped my phone so many times. It looks like a magical crystal that Superman uses to open his cave of wonders or whatever. <laughs> like that my phone is absolutely, it's so busted. I have to be on Bluetooth headphones to talk to you. I need a phone case. I actually am the opposite i will generally get the plainest phone case that i can if it's clear that's generally pretty good mm. or just something something solid uh and i'm not sure why that is because i do love some customization but if you're into customized phone cases then you may have heard of caseify which are one of the really really big players in the like cool eclectic novelty phone case space they have a really strong social media presence very very trendy have you seen them i've seen them around well, they're currently being sued by Dbrand, who are another company that make skins and cases for electronics. Now, Dbrand are, I would say, not necessarily as popular as Caseify. Caseify have really managed to get a chokehold on the market for phone cases. But Dbrand are pretty cool and artistic, I would say. They made this skin, which is like a, it's like a vinyl decal that you stick on your PS5 in celebration of Spider-Man. And it looks better than the official one. It looks like artistic and webby. <laughs> Whereas, you know how sometimes like the official branded skins for something yeah. can look a little bit just like weird ads. Whereas this looks like an in-universe thing like Spider-Man came by, thought the PS5 was committing a crime and webbed it up. That's great. Yeah, yeah. It captures the essence and the joy of Spider-Man. <laughs> so <laughs> D-Brand <laughs> makes him... <laughs> makes them cool like they're, they're creative everybody's so creative uh and something that they i don't know if they were the first people to do this but i think they were certainly early yeah um they make those ones that it looks like you've just like taken the back of your phone or your laptop or whatever so it shows you all the internal little doodaddies yeah. caseify released a line for phones that was called inside parts and it was supposed to be that same kind of concept. Yeah. Uh, and the internet saw that they were actually using the same design across multiple devices. So it wasn't even what you expect of like, when I buy this phone case for specifically yeah. my Samsung S21 Ultra, that it's going to be that phone. But it was just 
across the board, it was like, this is one print gotcha. of what the inside of a phone could look like. Yep, gotcha, gotcha. So they got called out for that, and then they pulled it, and then they released a new line called Inside Out that allegedly uses the images that dbrand has created for their line of cases. But hang on, aren't the insides of phones pretty much the same? Yeah, I mean, look, they all come off the same assembly line. The internals are made to the schematics that have already been laid out. <laughs> it's not like that's proprietary. And dbrand know this, they've said this, but what's interesting is, A, to get these images it's a lot of work, right? You're having to get the device, take the back off carefully so that you don't disturb anything and you know make it look bad. Mm. Then they're using really high fidelity kind of machines and photography to scan the image. Gotcha. And then they need to go and like clean it up in Photoshop or whatever, take away parts that just don't really look aesthetically pleasing. And then also scale it and stuff to fit properly on the back of a case that you can see it all in a way that it feels right. So it's not really just a matter of taking the picture and chucking it on. Okay, so this sounds pretty straightforward at this point, yeah? Sure does, except Caseify, almost in a way I feel, incriminated themselves because they moved stuff around to make it look slightly different to Dbrand's one. This is gonna sound relevant at some point, I promise. But back in the day when cartographers were like dueling to kind of map places out first, some companies kept getting their stuff plagiarized. And so what they would occasionally do is put fake places on the maps and then wait for the <laughs> other map company to chart those places and put them on. And then they go, see, we invented Allentown. Like we put that there to bust them, right? But this is nothing like that is what you're saying. Actually, it's not unlike that oh. because while I, what I was talking about just then yeah. was Caseify, the people that are getting sued, moving stuff around, which you wouldn't need to do if you'd taken your own pictures. Dbrand, the original people that are saying, hey, Caseify stole our stuff, yep. did put in little Easter eggs into their own images yes. that are now also appearing in Caseify's images. So I, it's just all allegedly, but it's just interesting, isn't it? Oh, it's so bitchy and gossipy. It's like Gossip Girl, but for tech nerds. This is so... <laughs> intricate and what's weird rad is you're talking about this and suddenly i actually kind of want to try these out because i was always a big fan of the uh, the transparent game boy you know the one that's just uh clear plastic there is something kind of primal and interesting about seeing the way things work but could you technically speaking have a non-decal version of this could you have a phone that actually lets you see into its guts and would that even be viable well i feel like for your standard i don't know iphone or Samsung phone or whatever, that would be really difficult because they're not made for that. You would have to have like a whole like industrial machine to perfectly cut whatever replacement piece you want to put in. And then you'd need to be able to pry off the back, you know, without breaking anything else and then gluing <laughs> it back in. Like, it's just, it's not made for that. Sure. Uh, but your other option is the nothing phone, which is uh, a relatively small company that makes an android smartphone that's all about customization but the back of it is clear and it's got like a the qi charging uh coil that you can see and yeah. it's not it's not all the chips and everything but it's got a couple little flat bits with lines <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then it's got a light in the back too which is actually really cool you can like set it to to show you different stuff so i think that's the closest you're going to get to a transparent phone at this stage 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. That's pretty cool. I mean, I'm the idiot who wants to have a car that is completely transparent so I can see all of the stuff moving around. But in my head, <laughs> it's like a locomotive and it's all pneumatic and there's pistons. Whereas an actual car is just a bunch of stuff. There's no, nothing is dynamic visually. I'm just trying to understand the appeal of seeing into things. I wouldn't want that with my body. I wouldn't want people being able to see my veins and muscles moving around under my translucent skin. I would like to see someone else's, but I don't want to see my own. Oh my gosh, have you seen the glass frog? No. The gl Look up the glass frog. Glass frog, here we go. So it's a real frog, but basically its skin is transparent and you can see its organs and you can see it. <gasps> it's heart beating, you can see its stomach. Oh, you can that's... see when it has eggs. Wow, that's gross and fantastic. Wouldn't it be funny if a different frog had like ripped off that proprietary technology, that like translucence in some way? <laughs> Basically the same story. This, oh, wow. And then the glass frog sued the other frog for <laughs> eight figures in Canada. <laughs> yeah, uh, th that'll be next week on um, on Game for Anything. Oh, it's really pretty. Right? I li are you a frog person? I, li I think I might be a frog person. I'm definitely a frog person. Oh, this is now my opportunity to tell you about the Frog ID app. The Frog ID app? Yeah, so Frog ID is a citizen science project i guess you would call it yeah. that is run by dr jody rowley who is an incredible frog scientist and the idea is basically anyone can download this app and then record sounds of frogs in their area and tag where it is and send it to literal human researchers oh. that are working at the museum of australia and listen they listen to the frog calls and they tell you what frog it is oh so it's like shazam but for frogs oh except you're forcing real humans to listen to it so it's a project run by australian museum it, that's so cool right so it really it's like if shazam was a dude working at a record store who would sit there and go i think it's this track let me yeah okay yeah it's it, that's led zeppelin that's um okay great i think that is the most wholesome use of technology i've heard in about a year it's such a good project and it's also really important because they've been seeing declining frog numbers and they're trying to figure out what is killing these frogs and being able to like have people help them track populations across Australia is super duper useful. Except they also get sent a lot of just insect sounds because your average person does not know what a frog sounds like. <laughs> Rad, what's interesting here is that I was in Fiji about a year and a half ago with Tegan and there was a flood on this island we were on. And once the flood cleared, I think there were about 4,000 frogs. The island was basically beset by frogs. And um, it's a really great way to test your love for a thing to have you be surrounded by it, making noises at you, glistening in the darkness. <laughs> I think I came through unscathed, but yeah, frogs are a beautiful and complex creature. And the last frog-related or toad-related thing that I will leave you with on this particular topic is I beg you to go and listen to the toad version of Feliz Navidad. You know Toad from Mario? Oh, God. It's actually, it's actually very good. Is it very good for a Toad version of Feliz Navidad or is it very good for just music in general? It's very good for joy. You know it's playing right now, right? It's, it comes back around to the comedic timing. 
Oh, you know what? I do feel better. Thank you. All this talk about different platforms warring over the same product actually has me thinking about the new Doctor Who specials because, Brad, I mean, we're in Australia right now and we, many of us, grew up watching Doctor Who on the ABC. I mean, it's, you know, you'd rush him after school and you'd watch it. Here's the thing about Doctor Who. It's not on the ABC anymore. So it's now on Disney+. Plus. It's completely jumped across and BBC have basically sold the exclusive streaming rights worldwide, not just here, but everywhere. Oh. To, yeah, to Disney+. Plus. And let me tell you something. Hell hath no fury like a lifelong ABC viewer scorned. People are really really angry and weirdly kind of patriotic about it. You know what? I am slightly surprised. I would have understood the anger at, oh, you know, it's now going to be on a paid service rather than a free service. Yeah. But I'm a little bit surprised at the patriotism towards the ABC in general, particularly when it's not an ABC produced show. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the link's really weird, right, actually, because we were one of the first countries and ABC was one of the first channels to actually buy the license after the show first came out. I think we got it like six months after it first dropped in the early 60s. So what happened was in the UK, because of licensing laws, they couldn't run repeats at all. So you'd have people from the UK coming here and seeing it on every weeknight. And so weirdly, Australia became the sort of spiritual home of Doctor Who for a long time. I mean, one of the most irritating Doctor Who Companions, Tegan Javanka, is a flight stewardess from Brisbane. An Australian wrote the theme song for the show. I mean, we've been part of Doctor oh. Who. Yeah, Ron Grainer wrote the theme song. And Doctor Who has been kind of a cultural institution. But what's weird about Australians is that because we grew up, if you watch the ABC, because if you watch the ABC growing up, you watched so much British television that you sort of have this weird genetic mouthfeel, this strange cultural imprint that you feel sort of a little bit, British, a little bit kind of culturally, psychologically colonized, if you will. So when the show leaves the ABC, the same people who rail against it every week on Twitter are suddenly really mad that the thing they watched on it has left. So there's really no pleasing some people. I like how we have probably a British mouthfeel for more adult content and a Canadian mouthfeel for children's TV, because <laughs> the amount of Canadian kids shows that made it onto the ABC, I tell ya. Hang on, name some that are particularly iconic to you. Degrassi? You know I'm friends with uh, Caitlin from Degrassi. I have no idea who that is. I never actually watched it. <laughs> <gasps> oh my god! Oh my god! There's this like will they, won't they? Joey Dawson couple in Degrassi, and I'm friends with the actors who play them. Anyway, yes, you are right. We have a weird cultural mishmash, but Canada's also a you know British colony, so I guess it's all part of that same. It's a different deck on the same colonized ship. I do think that it's nice that fans are getting behind the series so much though, like that they're they're voicing their opinions and they're saying, "Hey, we really love this thing, and we want it to." you know, stay in what we believe is its home because I think that it's always a nice thing when certain levels of tradition are upheld, but at the same time, it's showbiz, baby. <laughs> like, <laughs> like there has to come a point, right, where you just accept that stuff changes. Yeah, absolutely. And look, let's be honest, right? It's a, it's a show about a person whose face and body and genre changes every few years. The show is about <laughs> adapting to change and hopping between locations and sucking it up and getting on with it. And here's the thing. I understand the objections to it going to a streaming platform, but I talked to Russell T Davies, the showrunner, and he was like, look, the BBC just couldn't, like the show they want to make, they couldn't afford to do it alone anymore. The fact is that very few networks make all of their best stuff in-house anymore. It's all co-productions. You need other people's money. I said, some people are genuinely concerned that Americans won't understand British pop culture. And he was like, look, I get that. But a couple of minutes into the briefing, they suddenly just fell in love with it and got on board in their professionalism. And he's like, look, honestly, that's the, that's 
it's business, baby. You just have to get on with it. Now it's a better show as a result. So some people's concern is that Doctor Who will lose its Britishness because it'll be appealing to an American audience. Yeah, because back when Tumblr was in its heyday, there was a lot of American fan casting for Doctor Who. You know, back when back when that Super Who Lock stuff was really at its kind of sweatiest zenith. Oh, I forgot that existed. Oh, it was ugh, the hashtag and the cringe. So basically people were like, look, who would you cast if you did an American Doctor Who? And it every single time, Rad, it got enthusiastically shut down and i think the idea of americans americanizing a thing that is so good precisely because it doesn't mind going to cardiff for four episodes or shooting in a quarry or having people with strange looking faces speak in weird little <laughs> like middle earth accents it's it is the unique britishness that makes it so special it's the same reason you can't have an american play james bond it would just be bizarre so i think What's happening here is we're in a weird moment of reset. Russell T Davies was the showrunner back when Eccleston and Tennant were doing it. And, you know, he's worked on incredible stuff, including Queer as Folk. He's an absolute sweetheart. And I've watched the first special. It's called The Star Beast. And to say it's a return to form is he's dealing with loose plot threads from decades ago. But honestly, I left feeling like I'd gone back to not just Doctor Who, but to London. I feel like with Doctor Who, you almost have to accept that there's going to be jank yeah there's gonna be jank like it's yeah. made to be janky and that's that's kind of part of its charm mm. um i was just thinking about the short moments where doctor who did try to i guess appeal to americans a bit more particularly matt smith in that weird western episode i feel like they learned their lesson right they accepted yeah. that it didn't work i've written a um a doctor who big finish audio play and big finish is like they're the audio play wing of doctor who and every once in a while they're like Let's set a story in America. Let's give it a crack. And they always get English actors to do American accents. And it's always a bit like Benedict Cumberbatch doing Doctor Strange. It just doesn't work. But the thing I wanted to talk to you about, Rad, uh, before we close out this topic is the fact that David Tennant is back as the Doctor. And this isn't a flashback story about David Tennant's Doctor. Jodie Whittaker's Doctor regenerated back into David Tennant. And it was a huge twist. And he's older and he's back with one of his old companions, Donna. And the exciting thing about this is obviously the why of it all. And I said to Russell, could this possibly be a story about reconciling yourself with past versions of yourself that you're not that fond of? Going back to heal old traumas. And what better way to do it than getting back into the face and the body of the person who the trauma happened to? And he was like, look, that kind of is the arc. It kind of is about a guy who had one big regret and it was how uh, things ended up with Donna. And he's like, maybe maybe getting a second chance is going to be this restorative healing process. So we thought we'd get them back to do that. And I wanted to ask you, if you could become one of your old selves, which version would you revisit and why? You know, there's like the emo phase and there's the teenage phase and there's the, everyone's got different looks and different periods of their lives. Which one would you revisit and why? It can be for the dumbest of reasons I do not mind. I feel like my answer is going to reveal a lot about myself, but I would say like really, really young, like four or something, just to Ooh. get a do-over, do redo my life knowing everything that I do now. That's real almanac kind of thinking. Okay, so you want to go back and- I'm going to play that stock market. <laughs> no one's going to let a little girl play the stock market, right? They might, because I'm so smart. I'll just push my parents to. Or it's fine because there's still stuff that like comes up when I hit 18. Right, right. You know? Yeah. You know what? What? I would get really into NFTs early and then cash out. This is a real let's kill Hitler uh, question. I will warn everyone about 9-11. <laughs> 
<laughs> on a weekly basis, I go, what would I do? The first is 9-11. The second is somehow save Heath Ledger. I go through this weird Rolodex of silly things that I would do just kind of on impulse. But I think about the 9-11 thing and I'm like, who would I tell? How would I stop it? I'm I'm a teenager at that point. Yeah, they wouldn't listen to you. And then when it happens, they're going to be like, this guy was involved. They're going to assume you're involved. Well, it would be a very fair assumption. It would be. And uh, I, I think that's a risk I'd have to take. Okay, so four-year-old Rad, NFT billionaire at this point. Are you happy you've made that choice? No, I would be absolutely burdened by the knowledge of all the things in the world that I cannot change. Hardly seems worth it, does it? No. No. I wouldn't have the power to do anything and I would just have to watch the world. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's a one-way trip. Okay, well, that's that's great. I love the fun, <laughs> the merriment, the mirth of this show. Oh, it's look, it's not all bad. I mean, you know what I'd do? I just I I got to I got to throw myself a little lifeline back through time. I would go back to year 7. There was an inter-school dance in year 7, and I was at a school called St. Paul's oh, no. and we danced with the girls from Stella Maris and it was a big night and there was a girl called Tammy that I was into. And I'd never danced before, Rad. And I assumed that dancing, it's not about what you do, I thought, but it's about how vigorously and rhythmically you do it. <laughs> so what I did was I stood on the spot and jumped up and down as hard and fast as I could until I was dragged off the dance floor. And I think the song was, um, I think it was that song by Eiffel oh. 65, I'm Blue. I think it was a real bad scene. Yeah, it was really bad. You know what? I can see jumping to that song, so I think you you actually get a free pass on that one. I was judging you pretty hard, but then you, you gave the song name, and I'm like, no, that's a jumping song. You're fine. See, Tammy? I hope she's not listening. And I hope you're not listening anymore. Well, <laughs> in about a minute or so when the podcast ends, I think that's all the time we have for this episode of Game for Anything. Uh, Rad, is there anything else you would like to say before <laughs> No one bully Paul. He's a gentle boy. Knock it off. He's a sweet, simple lad. <laughs> But honestly, it's been a real blast hanging out with you all uh, once again on Game for Anything. And uh, if you haven't already, hop across to wherever you listen to your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and leave a rating and a review because it's a nice thing to do. Because what's better than spending your time getting to be a little critic? Everybody loves a critic, right? Right. Like all the kids who critique my dancing. They should have played Sophie Ellis-Bexter, Murder on the Dance Floor. No, because then that's how I would have felt about my... <laughs> so I would have wanted to happen, praying for death. <laughs> Exactly. It would be giving the other kids ideas in order to stop the pain. Yeah, and then I have to go back again next time around and stop. Oh my God, we've looped back. Oh, we're looping back. Oh, it's the Stanley Parable. I did it. This is the podcast of a woman named Rad and a man named Paul. Welcome to Game for Anything. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.